The Vancouver Police Department executed multiple search warrants as part of an ongoing investigation into the operation of the Drug User Liberation Front, a Vancouver-based organization that has publicly admitted to trafficking controlled substances. And question period today, opposition leader Kevin Falcon said Dolph's behavior amounts to taxpayer-funded drug trafficking. Take a listen. Buying drugs from the dark web, supporting organized crime is not life-saving work. It actually puts police and the public at risk. Does the Solicitor General really believe that British Columbians are blind to the reality of what you are doing and who you are supporting to and the, the fact that we to have to have chair. the police raid and arrest people before you finally realize it's the wrong thing to do as part of this reckless decriminalization program of your government? The contract that the group that he is talking about was awarded by Vancouver Coastal Health for the testing of drugs for overdose prevention on helping people and preventing them from dying. In no way, shape or form were any of those funds intended for the purchase of illegal drugs. As well, police are conducting and have conducted an investigation which has led to the arrest uh, and warrants uh, for individuals. Those who break the law are held accountable. That was Solicitor General Mike Farnworth responding to opposition leader Kevin Falcon's question. Well, another MLA who was asking questions during question period today regarding this issue is Eleanor Sturko. She's the BC United MLA for South Surrey and Shadow Minister for Mental Health, Addiction, Recovery and Education. Eleanor, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jazz. So what does this tell you? Do you believe that the work that um, Vancouver Coastal Health has done with Dolph, all of it, never mind this particular instance of, of, of some really very serious allegations, do you think they should just stop working with Dolph, period? Absolutely. I think that there are plenty of organizations out there in British Columbia's landscape right now, uh, many of whom I know have been fighting for funding, um, looking for grant money to carry on with life-saving programs that they're operating who aren't involved in criminal activity. But, you know, one of the things that actually disgusted me, Jazz, was hearing our Solicitor General stand up and talk about how, you know, pretty much he's justifying uh, this illegal activity and the fact that the government is has been funding for a couple of years at least this illegal activity. Um, it somehow justifies breaking the law. And you know what? I know that we're losing, on average, six people a day. But they are absolutely not taking account of the individuals who are harmed in British Columbia by the illicit drug trade in terms of drug trafficking. Look at my community, Jazz of Surrey. Mm -hmm. Think of how many people have been killed as a result of gang fighting, uh, drug trafficking. You know, we even had innocent people, innocent bystanders killed. And I just can't imagine any justification for funding people who put money and guns into the hands of those that have taken the lives of British Columbians in the in the gang wars. Mm -hmm. Now, the organization in the past has said that uh, they've been selling tested drugs at a cost for over a year uh, and that, you know, initial results have shown that it, the results have been promising and that the, it's reduced or there have been fewer overdoses um, and reduced drug use among some clients as well. Do you buy any of that? You know what? I think that we're talking about the fruit of the poison tree. Okay, so we're dealing with unethical research that crime was committed in order for them to gather this research. Mm -hmm. Although we do now know now that they were using uh, labs at University of Victoria to carry out this. Uh, they were uh, working with the BC Centre on Substance Use. That's the government's largest uh, policy advisor on uh, drugs. And so, I mean, the fact that the government now says that they just found out is absolute 
BS, I'm going to say. I think this is this is really, really outrageous that they would deny knowing. Um, but, you know, here's the thing, is that this organization, the Drug Users Liberation Front, had applied for an exemption uh, from Health Canada so that they could actually get pharmaceutical alternatives to carry out this research, okay? Mm-hmm. They got denied that. They got denied that license, okay? And so then they went ahead with full support and committed crimes, okay? And so, yes, they had a, a sample group that they said, now, look, we've saved all these lives. And, but, you know what? Honestly, Jazz, how many lives have been hurt? We will never know how many lives were hurt as a result of pouring money into the dark web, which is a place where people get guns, they get uh, drugs, it's rampant with child pornography. We had a police officer killed like less than a month ago investigating a, a, a drug investigation. And this government is putting money into an organization that helped fund individuals involved in that uh, type of activity. Now, I've said in the past that, look, if, if, you want to, if, you're, if you want to be involved in this drug decriminalization experiment, fine, let's do that. But my argument has always been that if you aren't doing the other two things, which is enforcement and treatment centers, the program is destined to fail. Now, in the context of what we're talking about today with Dolph, it just seems to me that, you know, if they've gone ahead with the, the issue of decriminalization, but it, th- there seems to be very little, there be no plan in regards to we're going to still fund more treatment centers, there's going to be enforcement. Instead, we're having a conversation about Dolph and tax dollars, taxpayer dollars and and buying drugs. I mean, it just seems to me that there's there's no coherence to this program that they've announced. Well, there's twofold to your comment that you just made. The first one is that drug trafficking has never been decriminalized. Even though people can possess 2.5 grams or less of certain illicit drugs, mm-hmm. um, you can't traffic them. That means you can't deliver them or ship them or mail them to University of Victoria to get tested. You cannot buy them from the dark web and then sell them, even at cost, to other drug users. This has remained illegal under the decriminalization. So that is not legal and it never has and God willing, it never will be. But, you know, the other part of it is is that in this government, they are talking about decriminalization and they cite other countries where decriminalization has been successful. For example, Portugal. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that in Portugal, it is still not legal to do drugs in public. You cannot do drugs. You will get an administrative process given to you. And that's the part that we're missing here, Jazz, is that this government is telling you half the story and doing half the work. In Portugal, they in- tremendously increased access to things like treatment and recovery and um, options so that people could access things like safe supply, but only, only as part of a treatment plan and only under the supervision of uh, an addiction specialist. And they also, in all the countries they cite this government on their website as the evidence that decriminalization can be helpful. All those other countries have involuntary care and someone who commits crime while on drugs can be sentenced to treatment. So, you know, you can't try and bake the same pie when you're not following the same recipe. And we are not going to be successful like the other countries if we don't do what they did. Eleanor, we've run out of time. Thank you for joining us today. Jazz, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me.